I'm I'm a little bit uh, preoccupied tonight with the um, with the fact that little children died today. Probably thousands of them all over the world. I have a nine-year-old, so I think I don't know whether because I'm human or because I have a nine-year-old, I feel particularly sensitive to the uh, the loss of life unexpectedly that happened with this tornado in Oklahoma, and I'm sure people just getting in the crossfire in the wrong place, so many places in the world that I don't hear about or none of us hear about. And all of that is, um, is rattling my cage tonight. And I think it, it, it makes me somewhat inclined to get angry and frustrated uh, but, um, and, and political. And I'm really clumsy about being political. But I may say some things that may rub some people the wrong way. Um, because I, I look at this situation in, for example, in Oklahoma, and again, you could extrapolate this to any place in the world, where a kind of uh, narrow-mindedness, a short-sightedness, a, the narrow gravitational field of me and mine and self-interest and selfishness causes causes people to make choices that are short-term, that may have short-term benefits with complete obliviousness to the long-term result. One example being uh, this, if you look at just this one situation in Oklahoma, this little suburb of Oklahoma City that in 1999 was uh, pretty much leveled uh, because of another tornado. And the schools in the town that were leveled at that time or had severe damage, they all, uh, they, most of them did not have storm shelters at the time. The schools that were damaged at the time then uh, were given storm shelters. The other schools, they decided not to put storm shelters in them because it was too expensive. And then when I think of, and this is the, word, the place where I get a little political, when I think of this, this particular state is the number one state of uh, climate change deniers. This is the state where the two senators voted against federal relief aid for the hurricane in, in uh, Connecticut or Rhode Island, wherever it was, uh, Hurricane Sandy. The states that are so opposed to federal aid that can help rebuild places like that with proper storm shelters, the states that, would, that are most opposed to it are the ones that receive the most federal benefits already, per capita more than any place in the, in the country. There's something wrong with this picture. In the meantime, there's not enough money there's not enough money to create some measure of safety. Of course, as a human being, no, none, of, none of us is safe. That's, one of, that's the first noble truth. Definition of birth, the leading cause of lack of safety. Definition of birth, leading cause of death. So it, nobody's safe. But 
because out of compassion, we want to be as safe as we can. So we do what we can to create safety when, when our hearts are open. But when our hearts get narrow, get self-interested, we may not, cons- we may not consider that our, the decisions that we make may actually make someone less safe. So we have a, a government here that is, and this is where I could also get in trouble, we give billions upon billions upon billions in corporate welfare, welfare to, to companies that don't need the money, that do not need it. And then there's not enough money to build shelters in this town. So the kids that died were in a school that didn't have shelters. Now, you could take that story and spread it to so many things, so many places, where because people were narrow in their view, they... I'll give you another example. Again, this could... Uh, I'm clumsy about this, but I'm going to do it anyway, because I'm, I'm... I want people to... I think a wideness of view, a sky-like nature of mind, means you care enough to get out there and stay conscious and do something and not just go to sleep. You will not find happiness in your smartphone. A little pleasure here and there, but not happiness. But you'll find a lot of happiness in, in really caring and, and opening your heart to suffering wherever you see it and doing whatever you can. Part of what drives me a little wild is, and it's really a function of power. It's a function of political power, and it's a function of will. We have, on one hand, we have the, this whole, and it's all around climate, climate change. Climate change is a ser- is serious business. 90, basically 99, almost 100% of all scientists agree that we're, we're in trouble. And it's getting worse and worse. And yet, it is human-caused, and it is the, has the potential to be humanly corrected. Yet, you have a group of narrow-minded, self-interested, multinational corporations, not just corporations. Corporations have within them people who have views. And we are, each of us, each of us has a bit of that person that I'm railing against in us. We all have greed, we all have hatred, we all have ignorance, we all fall into a narrow perspective. Just think about the way that that happens in your own life. But in this particular case, something that is workable, there are, there are billions of dollars, millions of dollars being spent to reduce the regulations on things that cause uh, greenhouse, the increase of greenhouse gases. And they spend billions for short-term, bottom-line gain of their and for unfettered ability to sell their products without a long-term perspective that ultimately, if the world dies, they are not going to be able to sell their products. So short-term view, short-term gain, long-term pain for everybody. And yet, if, if there was a concerted effort by all of us and whatever we can to, to move, the, move the, the compass, or what's the word, move the, the needle to the, to the side of consciousness, then we might have some short-term pain. We might have to put our cars away a little bit. We might have to, to wait until we, until we have some kind of, uh, 
some kind of fuel that doesn't just piss on the planet. Excuse the expression. But for that short-term pain, we can have a long-term gain. Now, how do we have that? We have to have a wide view. We can't just think about what feels good today. We're so caught up in what feels good. And then become completely oblivious. So if our practice is just about serenity, when we're in our little comfort zone, it's not really, it's not really touching the, the, whole, the whole picture where we're all being impacted by, by greed, hatred, and ignorance. So of course we each have to resolve the greed, hatred, and ignorance in our own hearts. The world is the way it is because people are the way they are. And as long as each of us is the way we are, the world will keep being the way it is. That the, the peace starts with peaceful people. Wisdom starts with wise people. Yet at the same time, there is a huge strength in numbers of people that get serious and get loud. And if, if what needs to happen, at least in my view, okay, I, I feel more clumsy every moment, but please bear with me, is that we have to somehow spend much of our energy getting, uh, getting money out of politics because most of our politicians have been bought. And, and that's, it's that simple, in a way, at least as a start. Of course, we have to do our own individual homework, but somehow we gotta, gotta get out and lobby. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm, to, I'm heart sick about unnecessary loss. And there's so much of that loss that could have been avoided. 1999, they, and they live, in the, they live in Tornadoville. And I, the reason maybe I'm a little sensitive to the tornado, because I grew up in tornado country. My own family business, I arrived home from college to, walk, to see literally hundreds of cars inside the business that my, that my grandmother started. Wires everywhere. And this business that had been a converted bank, it had been bought it as a converted bank, this business had a state-of-the-art shelter. And all the local people from the local businesses went and, and down into the basement when the tornado came. They were not a scratch. They had privilege. They had comfort. They could go down in there. And people who don't have a voice don't have privilege, don't have comfort, they don't, they don't get a shelter. And it, it's, it's unnecessary. So, for whatever that's worth, I had to just say that. I also, tonight, just because of my own reactivity to this matter, uh, realized that the only way to really have a, a heart that breaks so easily, which I do, and I know you do, is to balance that with equanimity. Balance that with the serenity that I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to be clumsy. I'm going to make a mess. I'm going to say things that turn people off. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make all kinds of messes. But uh, And the world is going to keep being messy, too. So I have to find some way to, to find balance. And the quality of equanimity is that quality that 
in each of our hearts that knows I'm going to do everything I can and make, ma- and, you know, make noise, but whether things turn out the way that I want them to, it's beyond my will and wish. It may be beyond my will or wish. I may have the foolish idea that this, this conversation tonight could have an impact. But I mostly want to hear from you. How do you feel about all this stuff? Please. No, I want to hear what you say. See, we've lost a few people already. No, 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 I'm not apologizing for the... Yes. Yes. More important to give to the pe- the people who reject giving. Yes. Anyone else? And if you don't mind, if you plan to speak, to use the microphone. Okay. Love it. Not to depress you further, but (laughs) one of the reporters in uh, Oklahoma today was talking about how it was raining today and there was lightning and thunder. And some of the people in the shelters were buried in the shelters. There was so much debris on them that they they are trapped. They're fearful that there are people trapped in the shelters. So, which leads to the quandary, even with shelters, there are people who wouldn't have survived. So it's not as simple as we just needed to use the money for the shelters, which kind of makes it even more perplexing, I guess. Uh, You know, um, I guess guess the lesson is it really doesn't matter what you do sometimes, right? You can do all, you can throw where, all the money out of you want, and that's you're still going to die. That's where equanimity <laughs> comes on. But we yeah. still have to do. We have to try our best. Please, Norman, you have to. You're going to have to come forward to find the microphone. Thanks. I think this is silly and naive, but what about Buddhism and reincarnation and children dying? Don't they just go around again? Yeah, don't children just go around again? What about reincarnation? Well, even whether they do or they don't, we still want to help any way we can. So wisdom may say that everybody just goes around the wheel again and again, but love says, I'm going to try to, while, they're, while you're alive, I'm going to try to protect your life as as the, the Buddha suggested, to treat everyone as their own, as though they're their only child, uh, with, with great reverence and love. Please, 
You have to, otherwise no one can hear. And oh, okay. Um, I really appreciate what you're saying. I also want to say that it's, we need even wider view because we need a wider view because, yes, it happened in Oklahoma, but it happened in Bangladesh. Everywhere. It happened in Syria. That's right. It happened in the Philippines. Everywhere. And I think people in the United States don't realize the privilege that they do have the money. I'm still thinking about the thousand plus women, women who got killed with their packets yes. in the um, collapse of the, the um, factory. I think that was Bangladesh, wasn't it? Which is Bangladesh, which I'm wearing right now. Yes. And my hands, I realized my hands are full of blood. Yes, um, our hands and, are full of blood. And I think everybody mm -hmm. in the United States have some blood on their hands one way or the other. If you, if you all have a cell phone, there's an object in the cell, there's a material in the cell phone that people in Rhodesia, I think. Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. That I killed for. That women are raped for. So we could have a cell phone. We could have yes. computers. Yes, the world is very small. So... Thank you. There's blood on everybody's hands. Thank you. I'd like to, I'd like to flip that around and say that we don't need to have a wider view, but we need to have a narrower view. And we have to look at our neighbors and the people in our community and care about them because it doesn't start from a wide view. It starts from a a narrow view, and every time you walk past somebody in the street that needs help or ignore your friends and neighbors that are in difficulty, that's the problem. It has to well start at the small scale. Thank you. So, both end, yes. Thank you. Hi, Howie. Um, I was shoved into Buddhism probably two years ago. Um, because of relationship challenges and my own feelings of frustration and wanting to, to speak and wanting to push against um, some of the things that I was feeling that was causing me frustration. And so when we're talking about this, I'm, I'm feeling the dharma a little bit more than the politics because I think, that, <laughs> I think that um, something that has been one of the hardest parts of my practice has been to figure out when to pay attention and when to notice my feelings and when to act. And whether that's the narrow view of, of the personal and the relationships or whether it's the larger view of politics and business 
and protesting. Thank you. So while we're on the subject of, of the world, I just to make the world smaller or perhaps narrower for a moment, let me just read this. But please take the microphone as soon as I finish reading it. I'll get your voice. I've always appreciated this, this uh, reminder. If we could shrink the Earth's population to a village of precisely 100 people, with all the existing human ratios remaining the same, it would look something like the following. There would be 57 Asians, 21 Europeans, 14 from the Western Hemisphere, both North and South, 8 Africans. 52 would be female, 48 would be male. 70 would be non-white, 30 would be white. 70 would be non-Christian, not the same 70. 30 would be Christian, not the same 30. 89 would be heterosexual, 11 homosexual. Six people would possess 59% of the world's wealth. All six would be from the United States. 80 would be living in substandard housing. 70 would be unable to read. 50 would suffer from malnutrition. One would be near death, one would be near birth. One, yes, only one would have a college education. One would own a computer. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you're more blessed than the million who will not survive this week. If you've never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, agony of torture, or pangs of starvation, you're ahead of 500 million people in the world. If you can attend temple, church, or other religious meeting without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you're more blessed than 3 billion people on the planet. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank or your wallet, spare change in a dish, you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If your parents, let's see. I think that's enough. So we, we get so we get so narrow that we can't uh, see the big picture of we're all together. And we also have to notice ourselves and our neighbors. So please. I'm kind of new to all this, but I was wondering about the, if there's something about this issue of uh, paternal versus maternal, the idea that we're all connected, as one group might feel, and, and another group might say, no, we're all individuals and we are better when we're not relied upon by others. In other words, is there anything in the teachings that talk about <clears throat> those two parts? The two parts, again, are... One part is whether you are an individual, you bring yourself up by your bootstraps, you are uh, one of... Uh, an individual, and the other one is you're part of a larger group. You're a, you're part of a larger, more. Yes, it's very we, clear in the teachings called the two truths that the, the two truths are the relative and the absolute. Relatively speaking, we are all individuals, 
and have our own unique expression of life, our own unique history, our own unique challenges, our every person uh, a unique, like each tree in the forest is a little bit different. But that there is not one individual, this is where the absolute truth can, there is not one individual, so-called individual, that exists completely independently apart from all the other beings and all things that influence it. That each individual is made up of the same elements of earth, air, fire, water, made up of all the cultural, religious, familial influences, that there is not one being here that truly lifts themselves up by the bootstraps by themselves without dependency on so many causes uh, and conditions that are non-personal. So it's both. And that's and anyone that doesn't see the bothness is uh, just not seeing how it is. Kevin. Yeah, I'd just like to echo what this woman said up here and kind of what she said. It's I kind of find myself caught with this thing happening yesterday is just, you know, f- f- seeing the irony of this happening in in Oklahoma, as you said, where, you know, kind of the ground zero of, you know, climate change denial and the, you know, and, and kind of being conflicted with just your immediate response of just wanting to rage against these greedy assholes, you know, kind of thing. That sort of, that, that gut reaction that you have. And just well, that was that's not exactly what my reaction was. Right, but I'm not saying that's yours, but that was that was mine. But you know, like, you know that, that's initial, and then you catch it, and then you look at it, and you're aware of it, and realizing that that as as a as a springboard of action, you know, that kind of anger and rage yeah, doesn't, doesn't get you anywhere. No. You know, it's kind of so. What do you do? It's kind of like that's one of the things where you, um, you know. You, trying to change the world with anger, you're going to create more anger That's and hatred. Right. And so just basically like what you're saying, that I think, well, maybe the, the, the thing to start is just to just try to be in your day-to-day life. You know, I guess, I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh that said, if you want to have a peaceful world, you've got to have peaceful people. That's, that's Srinivasagadatta. Try, try to just be in the small things that you can do because it's so right. hard to look at what is, you know, just these injustice and just people getting just you know, bulldozed everywhere without feeling like just rage and anger and realizing right. that with that with that arising in you that you're that you have no that you have no effectiveness and you don't so it's kind of it, it, there's a feeling of helplessness and you don't know what to do. So it's just like, well maybe I do some small things and you know I'm not I don't have it in me to go and be equin you know, have equanimity in the face of some of the things that happen when people are just, you know, looking the other way. While well, that's why we practice. We practice to develop equanimity and yeah. to give, to, the equanimity gives courage to our compassion. And so if we care, it doesn't, it doesn't mean we don't do something or act. It's just that we make sure that we know that any action that we do, we try to balance it with the understanding as it may not be effective and that, um, and that we have to, we have to, if we want a peaceful world, we have to find that center that that sits in the middle of it all, sits underneath it all, and and it's still, still okay, no matter what. I think, like you said, that's the practice. Is to, that's to, the practice. Is to 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 just see that that anger arising, and then to catch it, and to look at it, and to say, okay, wh- what do right. I do with this? You that's know, right. What do I do? I go, how do I 
go with this or do I try to transmute this somehow and do Yes, that? beautiful. So. Thank you. Right behind you. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for bringing this up. It's a, a very interesting way to, to, I guess, practice and bring the Dharma into uh, uh, the feelings that the, the tornado and things like that bring up. Uh, just two things. I know we were short on time, just two things. I work for an environmental nonprofit, and uh, I spoke with a scientist that I work with today, and the science is not conclusive about uh, climate change and tornadoes. Uh, meteorology, like they, they aren't sure if climate change is causing these huge tornadoes or not. So that's technically a myth right now. That's not a definite. And then the second thing is I, um, we've, we've spent most of the evening speaking on the tragedies of, that, that happen to people, to humans. And uh, um, one thing I want to bring into our practice and bring into our equanimity and mindfulness is there are thousands upon thousands of uh, animals and plants that are being destroyed, uh, mm. even more so than, than humanity. Um, there's a forest in Canada and Alberta being totally destroyed for oil. Uh, there's a nature all around the world being destroyed for, for mostly extraction and for human needs. And so when you bring uh, the suffering into your practice, make yes. sure you bring the animals and the plants Thank in you. as well. Thank you. Thank you. So notice how you feel when you, when you bring that into your heart. It doesn't make you comfortable. It's not, Dharma is not an escape. It's the way out is in. Like open to that. Thank you for voicing that. Beautiful. Please, Carrie. We're almost running out of time. Can you feel that urge to escape? I do. <laughs> Please. Oh, Carrie, there you are. And seeing all these climate changes and things, the tsunamis, the tornadoes and everything else like that and I, I saw someone recently make a comment that they were what humans were doing to this world and they were sickened by what humans were doing to this world and, and the instant thought that came to my head is, is what saddens me even greater is what we do to each other and isn't the universe just reflecting what it is that we are doing on a very simple basic level every day to ourselves yeah. to each other and as that reflection and that energy goes out, the universe reflects it right back, and it wants that one rule that is trumps all others in this universe, that of homeostasis, equanimity. Yes. And when we push things so far out of balance from the unconsciousness of unconscious reproduction and parenting and unconscious uses of resources, that... Get a feedback. We're gonna, there's going to be a bill. <laughs> And, and the bill might be too big for us to pay. And one of my greatest teachers ever in my life since I was nine years old was George Carlin. And he said, you know, Mother Earth will shake us off like a bad set of fleas if we don't wake up. Thank you. And realize that it starts with us one at a time. I'll repeat again, as Kevin also did and I said earlier, the world is the way it is because people are the way they are. As long as people are, all, are the way they are, the world will be the way it is. If we want a peaceful world, we, there has to be peaceful people. people. Peace is not something 
that we can impose on the world. It has to start within each of our hearts. Now, we can, we can keep building a peaceful heart through our practice moment to moment, but that does not exclude, it does not exclude action. It doesn't, it's not just quiet. It is, it, if that, if your heart, when it opens, when you feel that, that timeless presence, if it opens wide, it will feel pain. And if it feels pain, it will want to, it will want to help. And so don't hold back. That's all I, that was all I was trying to say tonight. And while you're not holding back, let every action spring from loving kindness. This is the words of the Buddha. Bring it right back to the, perhaps the reason you came to begin with. A little Buddha Dharma, a little practice. This is what the Buddha suggests that we do. This is called the Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by those who are skilled in goodness and who know the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none, through anger or ill will, wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies, downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from the dependency on sense desires, is not born again into the cycle of suffering. So may our whatever benefits or fruits, merit, goodness, blessings that have, has arisen from our coming together, if there are any, let's give it away freely and and spread our goodwill toward all beings everywhere with a deep wish that all beings can have happiness and peace, safety from inner and outer harm, 
health and strength and ease of well-being. May our practice be dedicated today and every day to the welfare and benefit of all. I think maybe we need a, um, some words of uh, a little chant before you walk out the door. I think everybody may need a little, I need a little calming down, so I'd like to chant the words of Neem Karoli Baba to remind us of the greatness of our hearts. Uh, Neem Karoli Baba, for those of you who don't know, is the guru of Ramdas, and his, uh, his words were put to music by Jai Utal or Jai Gopal, at the, as his name was at the time, and it goes like this. I am like the wind, no one can hold me. I belong to everyone, no one can own me. The whole world is my home, all are my family. I live in every heart, I will never leave thee. Oh, crystal tears, oh, taking away my fears. You want to try it with me? I am like the wind, no one can hold me. I belong to everyone, no one can own me. The whole world is my home, all are my family. I live in every heart, I will never leave thee. Oh, crystal tears. Oh, taking away my fears once more. I am like the wind, no one can hold me. I belong to everyone, no one can own me. The whole world is my home, all are my family. I live in every heart, I will never leave thee, oh. Crystal tears, oh, taking away my fears. Thank you.